Shut up and sit down. Everybody, I hope you have all your snacks ready. I have a awesome snack plate. I'm really excited. I have some smoked gouda and some prosciutto and um, wrapped around mozzarella, and I have some strawberries. And I had two sugar-free chocolate chip cookies, but I already ate those because they were kind of crunchy. I didn't want to be crunching in your ears, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And there were actually three of those cookies, but. Um, I ate one downstairs. It doesn't count, right? <laughs> anyways, anyways, <laughs> the prosciutto and the mozzarella is really awesome. I freaking love it. Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about um various things in fandoms um that uh in in fandom that when I first um encountered, I was like, whoa, no, what, no. <laughs> Throw out some holy water and do a cross sign. I was like, no, no, what are you thinking? And then talk about some of the things that are still taboo in fandom that I'm like, yeah, that's that's just wrong. We're not going to do that. Um, Julie's going to join me. This is a continuation of last night's um, writer's table, but it's going to be more focused on these topics instead of actually being a writer's table. And we started discussing this last night, and we're going to get started um, on the discussion. And um, I'm going to put her on the air and hopefully it works the first time. Yay. I ha- it works. My cheeks my cheeks are bulging out like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz she has snacks too. <laughs> I do. Um I actually have two full-blown live journal posts um dedicated to male preg and rule 63 because I was like, no, my God, why would you even know? Come on now. And I was just like, I was adamant that it was terrible and wrong. And, um, and the thing is, is that, uh, in some circumstances, it still is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, um, I'm like, (laughs) I saw my moment. But I'll tell you who led me down the unholy path of, of male preg, and that is Seeker Geek. She did, he, she, I'm going to assume she, um, did a um, a fic for an, a Stargate Big Bang called The Surrogate. And I was running out of things to read, and I was over on the Big Bang site, and I'm not even sure that Big Bang site still exists, actually. Um and I clicked on it, and I'm like, I'm just going to see. Because, you know, I had read Secret Geek in the past, and I trusted her as a writer. And I thought, well, we'll just, we'll just see. Six hours later, <laughs> Secret Geek gave my life back to me after I finished that pick. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just like, I just got sucked in, and I'm like, oh, John's got babies. Oh, my God. I'm so... And then, But, you know, it was just really... She was really 
her presentation was really thoughtful and engaging. And um, uh, it's on AO3. It's called The Surrogate. And Lady Holder just put a link up in the chat room. Thank you very much. And uh, it's just, it's a it's a really good fic. And it, it, it opened my eyes to the... Uh, to the trope, it gave me a lot to think about um, as far as like my position on male preg goes. I'm still not sure I would out and out write it. I mean, I have it mentioned in Small Magic, and of course, there's that whole thing with Theseus and Lantean Legacy that was totally an accident. Because um, Theseus is actually um, his kind produced through asexual, um, a- their asexual production, like seahorses. Um, and so he can create his own offspring by separating out part of himself and then Atlantis there's an AI situation part of that that makes him kind of unique and not quite like himself Um, but that isn't what I would consider traditional male male preg right I wouldn't either not by any stretch of imagination he's an organic living metal machine (laughs) Well, and he's capable but, of reproducing by himself. So if it's normal for him to right. reproduce by himself, I wouldn't really typically call it male preg, but he was kind of presented as male a little bit. I mean, I think the assumption he was referred to as he in the story, and so but it's yeah, still has to be pointed out to me. Yeah, and when he creates an avatar, it is a male avatar he creates. So he identifies as male. And when you meet his father, his parent, um, his parent identifies as male. Um, I'm really looking forward to the arrival of his father. His father, in my head, is played by Gary Oldman. Hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to the arrival of, of Dad um, in Lantian Legacy, and it's going to be um, quite epic. Um, there's a whole theme of fathers and sons in Lantian Legacy and um, that will kind of come to the front with, with Patrick and then with the arrival of Sebastian um, and then with Theseus's own father and Atlas. I think Atlas um, kind of opened that up, that whole discussion of children when he, when he comes to Atlantis and he kneels before the Atlantis avatar and calls her mother. Um, and they all realize that that's Atlas's son. And it was like, um, I just, that whole theme of fathers and sons kind of kind of goes through all my work where John is concerned because I feel like his character got cheated out of having a good relationship with his dad because they killed him <laughs> in Canada. And I'm like, we could have fixed that. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, that's, um, in a lot of ways, I think what might have been basically turned into um, a love letter to Patrick Shepard um, because it was it was about um, basically his redemption for his son and um, and coming into uh, the family situation that John was creating for himself and being accepted, even though he'd made terrible mistakes in the past. So um, yeah. I don't know where it, that was a tangent. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> anyways, it was a good tangent though. <laughs> I had problems with male preg. I don't anymore, and that's what you do. Well, you you grow and you change, and it's important that you be adaptable. 
I will never be able to say that word without thinking about your fic. I'm ruined. <laughs> I there's, corrupted there's the whole actually, world. Yes. There's, there's actually a line in, one, in my Teen Wolf story um, with the female styles, speaking of Rule 63, um, where Claudia says, you know, basically to John, yeah, you're very adaptable. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, honey, you're adaptable. <laughs> you're real adaptable, and it's it, it just kind of snuck in there. And then I was so amusing myself, I had to leave it. <laughs> um, we're going to be getting we're, 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 we're going to be getting male preg trolled the whole night in the chat room. I can tell. Um, yeah, I, I can tell too. It started with pregnant Batman. I wasn't surprised at all. Mm-mm. And 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 retro Batman too, you know, from like, you know, the old TV show. Um, but when I first, you know, when I first came into fandom, and and I'd never heard of the idea of male preg, and the, I just, I was like, what? No, I don't want to read that. But the thing is, I to be fair, I didn't want to read about women being pregnant either. <laughs> so, uh, so it wasn't like I just had a, a an instant hate on for for Mpreg. It was just I, I was not interested in reading about anybody being pregnant. But the idea that somebody was kind of going there, um, and um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of over you know. Sometimes you're just I gotta tell you that sometimes sometimes being bored and looking for something to read it just leads you down paths where you start accepting stuff that you didn't think you ever would because you read something good that that sort of um, I don't know it just it it, it, it sort of it it, gives, it, show, it shows this thing that you you had instant bias against and says but this look at look what this could be and you're like, oh, okay, I can have an open mind about that. But the problem then becomes is once you get it good once, you then want it good again. And then a lot of times when something is a little bit fringe, a little bit ultra, a little bit kind of out there, you usually have to wade through a lot of, oh, my God, what the fuck did I just read to get to another <laughs> one that gives yeah. you that same, you know, fix that you got the first time. So. And for me, even with even with male preg, I'm not particularly interested in reading about the, the ins and outs of day to day. Well, it's just also the ins and outs of the day to day of pregnancy. I mean, a little bit is fine, but it it feels like sometimes male preg stories are an ode to men experiencing the horrors of being pregnant, and then the horrors of birth and. Um, no, <laughs> just, I don't want to read that no matter what. I never have. It's just never been an interest of mine. I know there's a whole genre out there for people who like reading, you know, like pregnancy is the, as the trope. It just mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. Um, so, but you know, I, it, it depends on the fandom. There's some fandoms I'm really, I am, I am biased against it in some fandoms because I don't see the hook. So, um, I don't read Impreg and NCIS. I, it has to have a fantasy crossover of some sort, paranormal, something going on. It just, um, 
but you know, in for me, you know, magic, science fiction, you know, Stargate. I can see, I can see it in Stargate. I can see it in um, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Um, but just an everyday some, contemporary yeah. fandom. Yeah, there's just some sort of, um, and usually there's some kind of AU where it's just that men can get pregnant. Just not, it's not. It's, that's usually what it is. I think there's one, maybe one impreg story I read in NCIS, and as I recall. It was the impreg was not natural. It was done as a scientific experiment, and the impreg was the least worrisome. And it wasn't that it was a worrisome story. It's just medical experimentation is a particularly difficult thing for me to read. Just somebody being abducted and experimented on, and then somebody implanting a baby in that person. Um, it doesn't matter What's how the form of rape? it is. Yeah, it was, and it was. I mean, he was tortured. He was, he was, he was tortured, and I mean, it was not presented as a good thing. Um, and so it's just, even if you don't, um, even without the baby side of it, I don't tend to read stories of medical experimentation and them where somebody's being experimented on against their will because I, it just really, it really, really bothers me. And um, it's a very difficult thing for me to read, but I did read that one because I had read several other stories by the author and, and the author's, is, is good. Um, so I, I decided to take a chance on it. It was like the last thing at first I hadn't read. So um, oh, I hadn't read it. And um, I think I think the medical experimentation so was such a difficult thing for me that I blocked out most of it. I don't even remember the outcome of the male preg. Um, but anyway. Um, so aside from something like that, but just in general, like an NCIS alternate universe where it looks just like canon, except somehow men can get pregnant. It's like, eh, I don't think so. It just doesn't gel with me. I need there to be something to, there needs to be another, another race or some kind of technology or I don't know, an alien virus or something to hook that biology to, um, for me to just be able to get past my, my suspension of disbelief. And some people don't have that suspension of disbelief issue, and um, go for it. There's lots of it out there to read. Um, but then even in magic, I have to admit, even in, in universes where they find a good hook, I, I, I've checked right out if there's ass delivery. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. <laughs> I um have a plot in one of my notebooks um where Rodney is actually um transgender and he's dating someone um and he accidentally gets pregnant and um the person he's dating wants no part of the pregnancy and um so he leaves the stargate program um to go back to earth to to have his baby um and john comes looking for him thinking what the fuck where'd you go and he comes face to face with a very pregnant mckay um who's living with sam carter uh and um he's like dude (laughs) Help me out here. How did this happen? Because is it just some kind of alien technology thing? And he's like, no, John, I'm just trans. <laughs> I got the top surgery. I didn't get the bottom surgery. <laughs> and um, John's like, 
<clears throat> okay, and he transfers back to the SGC, and he's like, I'm going to get us a house. <laughs> and he's like, oh, 100% on board with this. And Ronnie's like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do about this. But then, you know, John just kind of, you know, just kind of nests. <laughs> the, the whole plot is basically um, John um, John being 100% all in and Rodney being like, I don't, Jesus said, what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and that's the whole plot, basically, is that Rodney is transgender, and um, he uh, gets pregnant by accident and decides to keep the baby. So, But I'm always leery about writing my ideas that are um, like that, because I don't want to be... Um, I would never want to to portray it in a way that's ugly or or insult somebody or hurt somebody who's trans. And since I'm not, I don't have um, a lot of the experience that I think you would need to write a story like that. And it's very different from writing just um, two men getting it on, you know. Um, there's a lot of issues surrounding um, being transgender that I'm just not prepared mentally um, to write about yet. So I, I read a lot and I look at things and I pay attention to people when they talk about it. And so I hope that I get to a point one day where I'm comfortable writing a story like that. Cause I think that there's, um, stories that need to be told. Yeah, I agree. Pretzels are very dry mouth making, but they're gone now. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone now. Um, male preg is. Yeah, there are some fandoms where uh, an imp, there's where impreg it's just it. I it, it really works for me. Like I will go and and you know look for that tag and then scroll through and you know and and. Usually, again, with any trope, you know, any actually it's not any trope, it's any story. My my hit rate with fan fiction and ones I really like is probably ten percent. But anyway, maybe less. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> what was it that one that one day I got to forty two stories in a row I'd noped out of, and I went, "That's it, I need help." <laughs> um, but. You know, I, I some story, some fandoms it really works. It really works for me in The Hobbit. Um, but these are completely different races, so it doesn't. I and I don't even know that you need to call it male preg. I it's just it's just the Hobbit preg. <laughs> we don't right. know about how Hobbits. We don't know how they work. <laughs> Although I am deeply um, fond of Kenny's Patch Babies, I I am just I am a hundred percent on board that train. <clears throat> it's just amazing. Yeah. If if I hadn't read, it, I I would be all. I'll, I do like the the Cabbage Patch Babies better than. Um, and preg in that fandom, but I'll take either. It's it's good either way. Um, And then pretty much most of the paranormal stuff, where there's a paranormal creature, because, like, paranormal, just because supernatural is paranormal doesn't mean that there's any reasonable reason why either one of the brothers (laughs) would be getting knocked up. Unless he's banging an Uh, angel. Unless he's banging an angel, yes. Right. Which we figure he is, so 
Well, you um, told me you wanted a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> Is Cabbage Patch Baby's male preg? No, I don't think so. I don't think it qualifies as male pregnancy. I don't think it is either. Uh, but I think the first person who wrote it tagged it M preg, and then I think her next tag was of a sort. But I don't even think it's M preg of a sort. I, I think if you're growing your baby in the ground or on a vine, it's not male preg. <laughs> but the thing is, it's you know, charming. You it's absolutely charming, yeah. but it's not male preg. I have a hunch that there are some, you know, pregnancy purists out there who give authors who don't, you know, uh, tag every occurrence, every reason for babies um, as male preg gives them shit about it. So whatever. I mean, I I typically see, yeah, I typically see (laughs) see tags like that and just assume assholery is at the root of it. My favorite tag for her for that story is I seem to recall, I don't have it in front of me, but I seem to recall that one of the tags, and one of the reasons why I read it was because I think it was tagged for inexplicable babies. And I was like, inexplicable? What is an inexplicable baby? (laughs) I need to read that. I must know. I must know. I have to go look and see if that really was the tag. (laughs) Inexplicable babies. But I do, I do adore Cabbage Patch Babies. But one of my favorite um, uh, Hobbit baby, inexplicable baby fic is where Thorin carves a baby. Isn't and that- the baby goes, the baby grows up a little bit, and he writes Bilbo, his other father, because he wants to meet him. And Bilbo comes back to the mountain, um, a little pissed off. <laughs> Thorin made a it baby was, without it, him. It was inexplicable babies. Yeah. And that I know that I know that that series was called Carving, the one you're talking about, but I can't yeah. remember who the author of that was. Um, I really enjoyed that one. Why do I think I don't want to say the writer? I think it is because if I'm wrong. That would just me be. I go down. It is yeah, but Seeker Geek, Seeker Geek ruined me. Carving. And carving is beautiful. Um, I really, I really like it. Um, it's beautiful. So if you're listening, great job, Sunrider. That was gorgeous. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just yeah. Banging, but Seeker Geek ruined me for male preg. I I was like, I don't got anything else to read, <laughs> and I I read it and I and it was just really it was really well done. She um, Seeker Geek does a really good job in that thick of um, John's emotional landscape and and why he chose to do it because it wasn't accidental. Um, which I think is really important. It's a really important distinction that this isn't something that John, that it, this didn't happen to John. John made this happen. Yeah, it was, it was really good the way it was set up that way. So it, it, it really spoke to me. Um, and I, uh, it's such an immense sacrifice that he makes, um, for Rodney and it's just like, Yeah. Because accidental pregnancy can be, accidental technological pregnancy can be, 
like an amusing plot device, I do find it to be a more emotionally re- rewarding when, when it's a choice. And while I didn't appreciate Woolsey's reaction, his reaction was very natural. Um, yeah, it, I agree. And it was, and then when he, but then he apologized for his actions and he, you know, um, he was very sorry. Um, for what he had said, and he hadn't meant to, you know, try to obliterate John's choices in that matter. It, it was just, um, it was just very good, very good fix, um, surrogate by Secret Geek, and I highly recommend it. Um, it was, it was all handled with a very deft and very um, gentle hand. Awesome. Yeah, it's a very good story. I have, you know, I realize I have a very weird mental limitation about. I am like. You normally I'm like a crossover whore. I'm all for throwing fandoms together. But unless I have this weird block about Harry Potter crossovers, unless the crossover's function is to get Harry a different parent. And the the getting Harry into a different life circumstance, for some reason I've bridged that crossover bias with that fandom, but I I can't do it otherwise. Um And there are a lot of pairings out there with Harry with some other person, and it just, my brain just goes, no. (laughs) I can't can't do it either. It's one of of those things I might get over someday, and I'll come back to this. Probably somebody will call me a hypocrite again. Um, But, you know, this is is what it's about. Sometimes you evolve in your preferences. But it has been quite a while now with Harry and me seeing him paired up with other people. And, you know, and I just, every time I just, you know, and keep growing. Um, like I said, I, I can do it if I can read it, if he's young and he's getting a new family or it's a friend, but the pairing with Harry into a, some other fandom, it just, hmm, no, I can't get there. Not yet. Could come, but not, nobody, please don't send me. Please don't send me. So this is a no Rex podcast. I don't want any Rex unless I specifically ask for them. Me neither. I'm an adult. I can make my own thick choices. <laughs> yeah. We have the same resources you do. Um, but yeah, so I you know, I had a change and for me, uh, rule sixty three I am very picky about my Rule 63. And um, there are a couple of characters that I could never read um, as a 63. Um, and one of them is Harry Potter. I can't. I tried. I can't do it. It's a stumbling block. Um, I can obviously read um, Female McKay. Uh, there's a, actually a really good one um, in the Stargate universe called the Lallyverse. Love it. Um, I have no problem with the female styles. Obviously, you're a female Bilbo. Um, I can read a female John. I uh, I read a really good one, actually, where John got turned into a woman and didn't want to turn back. And uh, everybody was like, are you sure? Cause, um, and Sam Carter got pissed off at everybody. <laughs> like, what do you mean you can't say a girl if he wants to? <laughs> Now, that would be interesting, but I don't think of that as Rule 63. I, I think no. that's an interesting plot device where John finds he likes another way. I mean, that, would, to me, would be along the same lines of him 
doing gender King confirmation or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I have to admit, I, I haven't gotten there with Rule 63 yet for the most part. Um, I keep trying, though. Unlike some tropes that I don't like, um, I do keep trying with Rule 63. I'll try a, a character. There's some characters that have not worked for me. Um Tony, honestly, Tony Denozo doesn't work for me. I wrote it in a short once just because I was pushing myself. I can't say that I like the experience. Um, really? I like that short, though. It was awesome. Very um, short. But part of, it, part of it for me was, um, there's this weird way I got around that in my mind, was... Um, with the with the, for the most well it's not it, it, not always but for the most part I write Tony and male male pairings, and I just decided I was going to get through that by flipping it and keeping the pairing gay, and that would be the easiest way for me to. I don't know why that was easier because I did write one short that I really liked with Tony and a female female pairing, and I could do that easier than Rule sixty three Tony into a het pairing. I don't know why that. That, that bothers me. It just. I, can't I read get there. a really good so. Rule 63 with Tony as a girl, um, and it ended up being Tony Gibbs, and um, it was really good, and I can't remember the name of it. They go undercover. Um, And things get sexual, and so she tries to resign from NCIS because she can't deal. Um, and she thinks that Gibbs really doesn't want her, but basically that's all Gibbs wants. <laughs> and he's, um, and yeah, so, and I can't remember the name of it at all, um, but it was very good. It was very, she was very Tony, despite the fact that she wasn't, you know, obviously the same Tony that we know in canon, but she was very Tony. And it was like, this is just really good. And I wish I remember the title, but I could give it to you. It's it's awesome. Fire Lady has read it, and maybe she will be able to find it before the podcast is over. Because I um, can't look myself right now. But it was very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is with me and the Rule 60. I guess it's because, I mean, I, I kind of... The Rule 63 stuff was kind of beginning my first go-around in fandom, and it was all homophobic. And I just, I have such a hard time yeah. getting past those origins of it. Um, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't read it in an author um, now who didn't have, who I wasn't certain was not, even if somebody wrecked something to me, said, this is great. If I wasn't, I, I would need to have a lot of confidence that the writer was not doing it for, for homophobic reasons. And usually, if, unless I know somebody personally, usually the way you can tell that is through their, their, um, their other work. Their, right, their other works. And so if they've only got male, female, or they've rolled 63 to gay pairing into a straight pairing, I, the odds of me picking up their story by them is really slim. Um, just because I have such a hot button about that. Because um, there was like a fandom war around for a while around um, people doing that and, and making really ugly comments about, um, you know, yeah, I see the chemistry in these pairings, but I just can't write a sinful pairing like that. And, and so I, I'm going to change the gender so that, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, so. It, it just it makes me so tense. So, um, and also a lot of sometimes it's also that um, 
I don't. Um, I don't recognize the character, and sometimes I think it's I think it's sometimes it's legitimate that some characters would be so different female that they wouldn't be recognizable uh, mm-hmm. because their life experience would be so different and shape them so differently that they wouldn't really. It'd be very difficult to find a lot of similarity between what we see in canon and then the and the Rule sixty three version. And so I think that the author's being true to, to characterization to not have to be similar, but when they're that dissimilar, it, it, especially with the character that's beloved, um, it's just such a big disconnect uh, that I just can't get there. Um, but characterization is a really, 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 like, really, really big deal for me. And so um, sometimes I also, when I've tried Rule 63 stuff um, from authors who I know also write male-male or male, female, another context or whatever, they um, usually write this male character that they're Rule 63 in a very weepy way. That I, And then they write the female version weepy too. I don't want to read women weepy either. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Tantr- tantrums and hysterics and histrionics and stuff. No, I'm just not interested. I don't care what the gender is. That's I, actually I a uh, mental disorder. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, the one that I was talking about where John is um gets turned into a girl is is that the one you just linked um uh Fire Lady? No, Fire Lady uh linked the one where with Tony Gibbs Rule 63 story that you talked about. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The one where Tony um is a girl is called Uncovered by Rage Poop. Hmm. Rage Proof Rock. Is that how you say that? Rage Proof Rock. It's what it looks to me. She is awesome, and you should read all her stuff. She is a fantastic writer. Um, Rage Proof Rock. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Thanks, Boo. Rage Proof Rock. Okay. Okay. I get that. Okay, okay. It's called Uncovered. Um, she spelled and I will... wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, fantastic, and um, I highly recommend it. Uh. But like I said, with the Rule 63, I, I do try to keep – I'm trying to keep an open – I try to keep an open mind about it. I, I Someday I may get further in that mental journey than I am today. Um, I did – like I said, I wrote it that one time to um, to kind of push um, – kind of push myself um to try it and and i i certainly don't have an issue with um um the fact that i wrote that story Uh, but then i what it did give me the idea what it did give me the ability to do is to take the casting i had done for that and do a a rule 63 of alex shepherd in the horseman and alex shepherd and Alex Shepard raised with the Shepherds is an OC. It's not Tony Dinozo. I mean, it's just that's that's just the way that goes. So it's easier it's easier for me to rule sixty three an OC than it was to rule sixty three Tony Dinozo. Um, Although I do enjoy Rage Proof Rock, so I kind of hope that's how she um, 
pronounces it because that's fa- that's fabulous. But um, yeah, I highly recommend that fic with um Tony as the girl. It's um it's very good. Um, uh, and Prue is actually just an awesome writer as as a whole. Uh, major big name fan in Stargate fandom. Um, and probably NCIS as well. Oh, I hope she doesn't find big name fam as insulting as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> Just, um, but yeah, I actually got um, addicted to Prue's work through the Stargate. And then I started branching out into her other works. And that's how I stumbled across um, the Tony fic, obviously. Um, but uh, I love her. I love her Stargate stuff. Um, but I do, I do have a a similar thing with the with the Rule sixty three fix, in that I would never actually read a um, um I would never actually read a het store a uh, Rule sixty three fix from somebody who only writes het because of the assumption that it's probably homophobia based yeah now I'm not saying that all het riders are homophobic I'm not I'm saying if you purposefully turn a man into a woman in your fic and you don't write slash I'm left to assume that you did it because you can't have the pairing be gay and I'd also like to point out that you absolutely can write slash fiction without writing sex Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure how to handle gay sex, you don't have to write it. But if you're changing a character's gender so that you are more comfortable with them, then you have a problem. And I don't want to read your shit. I have, um, I had, somebody had recommended some stories by this one author and I was checking their, their, their works, their, you know, to see if, I was doing the check of what is their their other works look like, and they only wrote head, which was my first clue that I was not going to get. But the other thing that they did was they tagged all of their works not slash, um, <laughs> and the need to tag even stories that had no rule sixty three but were head, like just as an example, like Penelope Derrick, she would tag them no slash. And the fact that she did that, I mean, I don't know what, she, it, and she would, and she had, and like in her author notes, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not, I don't rule 63 because I'm a homophobe. I just like writing, blah, blah, But the thing is, it was, it was all of these not slash tags in stories that there was no reason why they would assume there was slash. Because like, if you have like a Derek Penelope story, like that's just an example. It wasn't actually a Derek Penelope story. But if you have a Derek Penelope, um, that, 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 but that's obviously a, a not canonical, c- canonical male, canonical female. That's not a slash story. You don't need to tell us it's not slash. Um, and I found it. I found that behavior, that that need to alert people that she wasn't writing slash, to be so off-putting. On top of the fact that she only wrote, had I don't care if somebody told me it's the best Rule 63 story they've ever read in their lives, I wouldn't touch it with a ten-foot pole. Um, and it. And, and all those clues that even if I could have, even if I could have asked the author, "Are you a raging homophobe?" I wouldn't have believed them, because of all of this. And I mean, it's it felt to me like you know, 
kind of like when people who are who are you know um, that whole argument of people going I'm not a racist I just this <laughs> it's like yeah you're a racist <laughs> it felt like that you're a big you know, old racist so. oh you know I, mean, I, guess, I think that go ahead I th- I get that sometimes people tag their works not slash because um, like there are some genfic writers that tag their works not slash. Uh, and actually I had a com- conversation about this with a genfic writer. Um, and she, and actually as a result of our conversation, she started changing how she, and she was in fanfiction.net. This is back when, but she was putting not slash on all of her stories. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And she says, because there was an assumption that um, because of the characters in her story, that there was slash going on and, and that she got tired of hearing about it. I said, but the, but there's not het either. There's no pairings in your stories at all. So why do you just feel the need to tell the slashers that there's nothing for them here? It, and she said, oh, I hadn't ever really considered that. I just think of, and then she said, you know, I just guess I've always thought of Het as Jen. Even though she doesn't write Het, she writes no pairings. She writes a father-son thing. And she started changing her tag after that to um, no pairings as opposed to no slash. Because uh, she said I gave her a different perspective on it, but I just found it really bizarre that she felt the need to tag all of her. And because I had a little bit of, you know, a, a somewhat of a relationship with her, I felt I could ask her, why do you tag them all no slash? It seems a little, like my gut reaction is that's a little offensive. told when I entered fandom that I needed to mark my slash, and so I did. And I, one day, um, someone told me I should warn for slash, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I warn for violence and murder. Why the fuck would I warn for Slash? So I was like, nope. And I took it off everything. I went through my whole site and took Slash off everything. I was like, no. If you can't figure it out from the fucking pairings, you don't you fuck off. I was, I was just, I had an epiphany. I was like, why am I, why am I being asked to warn for Slash? this deeply entrenched homophobia that's that's in fandom. Like I was I mean, we don't warn for anal sex. I am never warning for anal sex. You just make the assumption ever. that anal sex is going to be in it. I don't care who the pairing that's, is. That's right. But I mean there is there is a, I think a lot of people now that don't realize that there was that found that there is a, a foundation of, of kind of homophobic behavior that was in how fandom grew up because when Slash came along, well, Slash was more unacceptable, was, was considered like that thing off the side that people didn't talk about. But once you started having archives that were accepting Slash at all, they broke them out into two categories, Jen and Slash. And I can always spot these people who've been around forever in fandom because in their mind, um, any, any, anything but dudes banging each other or women banging each other is Jen. And that really isn't it. <laughs> That's just not that. I mean, they kind of, the, no, some of the Jen archives... Label, I assume no parents. I assume no parents, yeah, no or, romance. Yeah. Um, I think AO3 now defines it as the, any pairings are not central to the story. Um for a while, there was a, a, a definition on some archives that Jen was um, 
no pairings or canonical pairings only. Um, and there, I, and the idea was that Jen meant that it was, I guess, can't sort of more compliant with canon. But then people started objecting to the idea that canonical pairings, and you know, so that then some some said Jen was no pairings at all, and and then Ao3 had a little bit broader definition when it came along with the pairing isn't central to the story. So <laughs> it's 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 kind of there's really I still don't think there's any great consensus, but I can really spot people who were who were around when it was everything in one bucket except um homosexual and then that was in another bucket. And what well, I hate was, was being told I needed to rate my gay fic higher than I would a het fic. Like if there was yeah, gay kissing that was automatically N C seventeen. And I was like, fuck you. What? No. Yeah. Fuck you twice. But, so there's there's some really there's I mean, fandom is great, but it's also got some ugly stuff in there. And there were some there was some uh, real ugliness for a long time. Um, and some and some individual fandoms, uh, um, as opposed to fandom as a whole, but individual fandoms have more ugliness than others. Um, Let's be honest; she's talking about the Sentinel. I am. <laughs> because real, I mean, think about it. It got real ugly in the Sentinel fandom for a long time. That was the late '90s, and that was around the time that. You know, fandom was kind of trying to grow a little bit. It was growing. It was, um, they were shaking. You still had a lot of the segregation of, you had mailing lists for Slash stuff and mailing lists for Jen. And and that whole division, that kind of homophobic division was still kind of going on, but it was being weeded out. And and then you have this big fandom back then of the Sentinel. And you have really only one viable pairing in the show. I mean, realistically, there was really only one pairing. I people wrote this wasn't like a case of where you had a reasonably big ship for this other minor pairing. It was like ninety nine percent Jim Blair, and then there was this, you know, Simon. Sometimes there's a trio with Simon or some of the other guys get brought in, but basically it was just Jim and Blair. And I think that 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 fandom um, just had a raging amount of homophobia they had to deal with because um, people, they saw the chemistry of the pairing and they wanted Jim and Blair to be partners, but they didn't want them banging each other. And One of the most offensive things I saw in that fandom was a a fic where Blair and Jim were bonded, um, but there was no sex, but Blair was never allowed to have a relationship with anybody else for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's how his attitude was so... Are you kidding me? And meanwhile, Jim's banging anything he wants. Just saying. But you gotta keep, you got to keep yourself pure for your sentinel. <laughs> I was like, way to punish somebody for being gay. Yeah. So that was just such a... The sentinel was at a bad time. Um, I'd say I mean X Files was around that time too, and um, X Files was on the air into the early aughts, early to mid aughts I think, and the ships just did not cross paths. I mean there was there was a mailing list for um, uh, 
the, the very slash mailing list. Sometimes they were specific ships focused, and sometimes it was just the slash, and then there was the head stuff. And and for the most part, they didn't cross streams. There were a couple of archives. Um, most of the archives were one or the other. They were either gen, quote unquote, which included head, or they were slash. And then there was, I think, one or two archives that had that allowed anything to be posted. But for the most part, they ke- they kept they kept it very separate, and it avoided. But 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 on the other hand, in the X Files, there was a viable um, viable het pairing in, in implicit in the fandom that people could work with, right? I mean, people had no. So there there was a really big het. Um, Pet segment in in that fandom, um, so they didn't have the issue that they had in in the Sentinel, where there just weren't you know until I can't remember that character who came not Carolyn was a waste of oxygen, but there was the Aussie who came in late season late series um, Megan, but by then huh Megan yes Megan Megan um, people people could have, but by then people not ships were entrenched in their head and Jim and Blair were um, and people just couldn't get past it. I, mean, I think people, some people tried to write like Jim Megan, but it just didn't go anywhere. People were super, super critical of it. So they just gave it up and went back to writing, you know, Blair with Jim. It's just like, I can't deal with you people. And, you know, by the time I swung into the fam- fandom, unapologetically slash riding the fuck out of um, Jim and Blair, um, I just, there were others. I mean, there was a whole contest dedicated to slash fix, so I, but Blair was still being treated like a girl. And not just treated like a girl, being abused as a girl. So they they treated him like the female half of a, of a, of a pairing, but in a misogynistic relationship. So it was like, I don't know what's wrong with you people, but why are you writing this relationship so horribly abusive? That's not abusive. Uh, okay, well, we have a different definition of abusive. And there's also that whole whole idea of buying and selling guys and... Mm. The guy to be sorry on that slave ship. Yeah, and it, it's just the whole guy depression thing. I mean, it's really I can see where there could be that at some point in history. That like, but I don't know to just kind of get into it and revel in it. That's what and that's what it felt like it was was reading stories people were kind of getting in and reveling in the lack of consent and the fact that guides had no no autonomy and. Just, <sighs> the fandom that could have could have taken over the world and they shot themselves in the fucking foot repeatedly or in the face <laughs> yeah anyway I- it um, that that was a whole tangent about Rule 63, and where sometimes the worry about, you know, where did where did this trope spring from? And I know I know a lot of 
flash writers who jump onto Rule 63 and they love it. And I know there's no homophobia in why they're doing what they're doing and why they're writing it. But um, there are still people out there doing it for homophobic reasons. So it, that, I have to that say that Hold My Coffee kind of rekindled my love for Stargate. Did it? That's great. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a different, a different thing. Perspective. You need to break out of your own. I don't know. Sometimes I get into kind of um, a lane, and I need to kind of get out of it to mm-hmm. keep enjoying the fandom. Um, like for a while, I for, for early on, I was I was. I had veered away from it a little bit. I kept coming back to this lane where Tony is either at NCIS or about to leave NCIS, but there's still this whole thing about him, um, that whole idea that he's still at NCIS in some fashion, still tethered to it, tied to it, da 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 And for me, I, I wrote a couple stories where I just didn't have the word count available to go over his departure from NCIS. So it just was something that happened way in the past, right? Like way in the past, and he was off on some, doing something else. And that was just so freeing to not even have to deal with it. Then I was like, that was me getting out of my own way, you know, getting out of my lane and kind of rekindling my interest in it. It's just not even have to deal with those NCIS shenanigans. Although I have to say that of all of your NCIS where he's at NCIS Works, I really enjoyed DeNovo. DeNovo, is that how you said that? Yeah, I yeah, I really and that but that was that was kind of I wanted to do a, you know Tony starts acting like a, um, that was dealing with NCIS in a completely different way where, where he's you know he's being, um, in my head I call it Tony adulting. He's <laughs> Tony adulting. Yeah, he he's he's being he's being a federal agent and not a Gibbs groupie is kind of where that came from is him doing the best by because the the end dynamic that they built up in canon it didn't ultimately serve the people that NCIS is there to serve and protect um people got away with shit you know i'm sure um and they let people get away with shit because they were so much more focused on their family dynamic and their family dysfunction that they let criminals go. They they played you know uh, effectively they would decide who was guilty and who wasn't or who was worth pursuing and who wasn't and um, the whole idea of justice got really corrupted in the sh- in canon to me and um, it seemed like it was corrupted on purpose because it was like well we're we're going to um, we're going to serve each other before we serve the public. And I really wanted DeNovo with me, you know, before that whole vibe got really awful, is inter- interrupt that and have him put doing his job ahead of the team. So that was a completely different vibe for me, and I I really enjoyed it. Grown up Tony is hot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's I actually I have a really big competency kink 
Um, I like um, uh, men to be very confident. And I, I guess maybe you'd actually call it big dick energy. Uh, I really enjoy big dick energy. Uh, just confident and competent and um, admirable and and noble. I, I really appreciate those those qualities in a character and in a man. And um, when I see that on the, I'm like, yes. <laughs> have my pain. Have confidence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Competency is. It's a glorious thing. I actually, I had started, I hadn't gotten too far, but I had started the sequel on that story. And um, <laughs> oh, I lost it. Where did it go? And of course, Azure has to show a big dick in the chat room. I thought we agreed you wouldn't do that during the podcast. <laughs> that is. That is a, that is a not only is that a big dick that's a very lofty it's it's usually that big they can't quite get that much high height. <laughs> yeah yeah that's he's he's that's, his 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 energy is energetic disturbing what I thought that I had gotten a little bit going on the sequel to Denovo, but weirdly I got really hung up on. Um, I got hung up on the fact that I couldn't pick a title for it, and sometimes if I can't title them early on, um, I lately I've been kind of stumbling, and so I was really hung up with the fact that I couldn't title it, and now I'm wondering if me not being able to come up with a title meant that I didn't, didn't do anything, start it, <laughs> didn't actually put down. I, 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 oh. That's a terrible thought. Look, dude, I am over here with all my amazing title abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I am available to help you title your shit. <laughs> I need a title for this thing. But I mean, I plotted it because it was going to be my NCS Big Bang, and I can't, I can't imagine. Um. Wow, I can't imagine that I. Well, Denovo is all, Latin for what? Um, it basically starting anew, afresh, starting over, kind of thing. It means it. It, it basically means to begin afresh. So what's the, the Latin title for continuation? That's a great question. Actually, because the 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 title came out came from, this is a case of where De Novo was in the story. It was part of Beth's dialogue. Um, and I said, oh, I'll just call it that. <laughs> um, Latin for continue is continue. That's... How about forward? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forward. 
Yeah, I'll have to work with look at that a little bit. Anti is there's so many words that mean forward though that I sometimes you get one word. Um, but this one when I type in forward, I think I got like fifteen different possible words. Like Protenus would be the closest to the de novo. Yeah, to the to the meaning. This is terrible. I thought I ha- sometimes I I actually um, I had put I had created a. Um, I thought it was a fic I had read. But at first I thought it was something I had written. I looked everywhere for it. I couldn't find it. And then I thought, well, it must have been something I had read. So I went went hunting for it. And it was um, – and I couldn't find it. I put I put up a, a, a thing on a fic finders group, and everybody's like, well, I've, I've never heard of this, but – this is not even remotely familiar, or they gave me something that wasn't it for sure. And it was something I had written, but it was something I had written on my phone one day when I was like at the car dealership or something. And that's why, it, it, and so it was basically in a note app on my phone. And normally I really remember to get those things off. And it was, oh, I love it was that. saved in it was saved in a weird place. So I, I did eventually find it, but I, it was months later I went, oh, I did write that. <laughs> Um, my um, husband is actually watching Babylon Five on um, Prime, and um, it, the the quality is not fantastic. But you have to remember that uh, it's not a digital. Um, it wasn't done in digital, so um, we we may never get a really good copy of Babylon Five. That's sad. Um, but yeah, you know, so when it comes to Rule Sixty Three, I am picky, um, and uh, it's it's mostly about um, more about the author than the uh, summary or the fandom or anything like that. Because, um, like I said, I am I don't want to um, I don't know patronize um, someone who is homophobic. That's why I refuse to watch Ender's Game. It's why I don't recommend Orson Scott Card's writing book anymore, even though um, it's actually, honestly, one of the best writing books I've ever read. And but I used to recommend it all the time until I found out he was a raging homophobe. And now I, I threw my book away. I, I couldn't even take it to the used bookstore. I was like, nope, I'm done. And I, I tossed it in the trash. I had, I had that book for 10 years. And I was so furious to have actually spent money on something for him and I didn't watch the movie. I never will watch the movie for Ender's Game because Orson Scott Card is a monstrous homophobe and I'm not going to give him any more of my money. Yeah. And even if even if I were, even if you could do something, because like a fanfic, you can do it completely under the radar, right? And the person still gets, gets hit, you know, which people really care about. 
I don't, but some people really care about, you know, how many people have read, have looked, have hit their story. But other than that, you can do it completely under the radar, but I would just feel dirty. You know, if I was reading something that, um, especially something that was changing a male character's gender for the purpose of homophobia. I just, I don't think I could enjoy the story. And so, you know, it, it being good would just not be, there wouldn't be any kind of impetus for me to see what that is is the best thing ever. And I'd be like, nope, I don't think so. It's really annoying. But like I said, his his writing book is one of the best books I've ever read for, for writing. But he's such a monster um, that I just know. Yeah. But some things... Some things you like, dislike, or like for whatever reason. I mean, sometimes we don't have a good reason for why we like or dislike a trope or a pairing, or it's just it doesn't resonate. Or um, sometimes it's just a case that you haven't read the one. Um, and sometimes the problem then becomes there is only the one. <laughs> You're like screwed. You ruined for life. Uh, but but sometimes you just haven't read one that, that did it a way that worked for you. But sometimes you just change. You sometimes just evolve, and you change your mind. And the classic example I've given is that I hated time travel for years. I would not read it. If it was time travel, I'd be like, "Fuck that!" And um, I read quite a lot of time travel. But there's still some things in the trope that can really kind of get me to open out really quickly. And it's the same things that I didn't like about it before. They're just, I think, maybe less pervasive in the trope, or they're less pervasive outside of the X Files. I don't know. It's um, my fault. She likes I I corrupted her. It is it is entirely your fault, and um, but I still I mean every once in a while somebody will say you know recommend a story to me that has amnesia in it, and I have such a knee jerk no on that one. But if somebody I trust who I think has a really good taste says this is a really great story, um, I'll read it. I'll, I'll give it a try. But I've, I, to my knowledge, I've liked one amnesia story in my entire life, and it was it was basically a comedy. So, um, it had some poignant I moments. I find amnesia it was, actually kind of implausible. I mean, it's actually really, really super rare that it actually happens. Yeah. But so convinced everybody that it, happened, it was a regular, everyday occurrence, just like you know. Um, the seventies in quicksand. <laughs> yeah, it's I just, thought it would be a I much mean, bigger problem than it turned out to be. The one story I can think of where it it worked for me, it was in a story where the source of the amnesia was magic. If magic basically had taken away Yeah. Um, sort of sort of magic had taken away two people's memories. Um but the setup was it was it was a Buffy story and the the setup of the thing was that Xander had moved out of um, his his parents' basement and he left a note for his girlfriend who basically, the other side of this was it's good to know up front that his girlfriend was basically planning on leaving him at some point. But 
he had left a note for her that said something. Um, it didn't address her by name, and it left the key to the apartment. And but there was something in it that made that made the description of the person he was writing to. I think he may have said, "Hey, blinding or "Hey, good looking" or something like that. So Spike, being the intrusive kind of guy that he is, he goes by the basement and he finds this letter, and so he just appropriates, appropriates it. And when he meets up with Xander later, they get into some battle. The demon and the blood gets on both of them, and they both lose their memories. And all they've got to go on is this letter, and they think they're a couple. And no one knows where Xander <laughs> lives. Literally, nobody knows where he lives. So nobody knows. He doesn't know any of his friends. He doesn't remember them. So they have no idea what's happened to Xander. They have no idea what's happened to the spike, both of them just drop off the face of the earth because Xander has moved out and he hasn't told anybody yet. So it was just like one of those, you know, perfect storm, you know, conflation of events where um, they only have each other to build their new memories off of. And I think it was, so. I, I laughed my ass off. I don't know that it was intended to be funny, but the moment when Spike realized he was a vampire just killed me because he was horrified. He was absolutely horrified that he was a vampire. He couldn't deal. He was so freaked out. <laughs> Which makes you think that's probably how he reacted when it first happened. Yeah. And so they just they're just cruising along. They've got only each other. They think and they each, they each pick new names. They're not going by Xander and Spike in the story because they have no idea who they are. They don't I don't remember why they didn't have their wallets, but I think they picked new names. But anyway, it was just, it was about the only story I've ever read where I enjoyed the amnesia trope. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just, there was something, every, it was like every element of what I don't like about the trope was kind of reworked for this story. It was different. The source wasn't an injury. Yes, they were working in a bar. They both, I think, I think Xander started working as a bartender and Spike started working as a bouncer. I think the story's called Sweet Memories. I'm pretty sure it's, if it still exists, it would be on the Spander Files. So I'm pretty sure it's called Sweet Memories. And like they, Xander, when Xander moved into the building, he had no idea that it was all demons living in the building. <laughs> um, he didn't know that. Uh, but then with his memory gone and with Spike being a vampire, he then assumes he picked the building on purpose because of all the demons. So, um, yeah, it was. That's it was hilarious. So charming. It was charming and it was funny. And um, do they end up a couple? Because I like a happy ending. They do. They get their memories back, and they're both kind of horrified. And then, and then they realize they like each other quite a lot, so they get back together. But so yeah, they they do get back together. Um, but I can say it's the only. It's, it's the only I mean, sorry, and I've read a lot. I've I've not read a lot because I usually don't get very far with them because I start to read them and I go, nah, no. Um, So, uh, but usually it's just because usually it, it, I can't get past the suspension of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief is everything. And if, if the reader can't get, get past it, and people have varying levels, right? I mean, there are things that I can read as, you know, I can read something with medicine in it that seems semi-plausible to me that maybe a doctor or a nurse would hard nope out of because of, you know, they couldn't get past their suspension of disbelief. So it all just depends upon 
everybody's experience with tolerances for that kind of thing are different, but for, for whatever reason, once people hit that point where their disbelief cannot go any further, that's just it. That's like I almost noped out of the end of Deathly Hallows when Ron, when Ron, Harry let Ron come back. I was like, really? Really? How many times does this asshole get to betray you before you grow a pair, Harry Potter? <laughs> and then Ron didn't even have the decency to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found it. It is called Sweet Memories. And the author's name is Kayla. Awesome. That's the that's the first part. Vanderfile is a little bit it, of a I will put it on the podcast oh. for those of you who are listening from the future. Oh, that is it. I'll put it let me I'll get let me get you to a better link. That's the first chapter, but here's the main story link. It's it's a long story. <laughs> I didn't actually remember it being that long, but it's thirty three chapters and the chapters are not of trivial length. It's called Sweet Memories by Kayla. And this is the uh, amnesia fic. Yeah. So. I can't speak to warnings or anything um, because I read this story like last time I read the story was easily a decade ago. I don't remember anything particularly horrible, but, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, because her author site is GeoCities. So, it's been a while. Yeah, this is a long time ago. NC-17 eventually. But yeah, there's, there's all kinds of sex going on. Um, I don't even read this fic. I, I don't like Xander as a character, and I don't want to explain why. Um, but I will check it out. Although I did read one um, crossover fic where Xander ends up having custody of of Harry, and um, is Xander really arrogant in canon? No. Because no. In every fic I've encountered him in as a crossover, he is utterly arrogant and terrible no actually he was very insecure in canon well in the Harry Potter one he gets thrown into the Harry Potter verse from the original from his original verse so he's not even in the, on the same world that he comes from and he ends up being Harry's guardian and um, he fucks up all of Dumbledore's plans he looks everything up. Good for him. Now, uh, even no, even even late series, I, I I would never have characterized Xander as being arrogant. Nope, nope. I mean, I've seen people write him that way. I've actually seen him write 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 Xander is is abusive. Yeah, I agree, Ellie. Airman Harris by Litgal is the 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 characterization of Xander is so spot on to the way he was in canon that it's almost eerie. And her Jack O'Neill voice in that story is like the best Jack I've ever read. That's why it's my favorite fanfic ever is because, well, there's many reasons, but the characterization, the character voices, it, it, it's like watching the show and listening to it. I can hear it in, in high def and hear it in stereo. It's amazing. 
Yeah, Xander would totally be a Hufflepuff. Endlessly loyal, sweet. Never met a pretty girl he didn't have a crush on. <laughs> In a very sweet, a vampire, can I get you apparently. a donut? Can I get you a donut kind of way? Yeah, it does start with sex pollen. There is there is that element. I recommend I recommend a story on my site. Someone immediately banged me for that because they said that I should put up a dubious consent warning on the story on the on the wreck. But I mean, literally the whole base is compromised by this sex pollen. So um, everybody is fucking. Um, There's an alien, and there's a, there's a, it's where the story starts. The story, Airman Harris starts with um, a foothold situation, and they're they're using um, some sort of gas or something in the in ventilation ducts that, to make everybody really horny and needing to have sex like right now um, to to make to get hold of the base. So everybody is like all over the place, all over the base, just falling all over each other, stripping their clothes off. And Xander arrives at the base with a delivery of, I think it's canned peaches, I want to say. <laughs> yeah, there's, that's one of the early lines of Teal asks. <laughs> Daniel, I think, are you through copulating? <laughs> no, we're just getting started. Get the fuck out Get the fuck out of our closet. Find another closet. This one's busy. Wasn't impacted? Because that's hilarious. If he was, if he felt it, he was able to resist it better than anybody else. That part wasn't really clear because it wasn't Teal's point of view, but he was the only one reasonably clear-headed. Xander being used to kind of more wackadoodle stuff, he recognized he was compromised, but he recognized it and like nobody else did. And he, but he had a really hard time fighting. Ultimately, he didn't fight off the sex problem, but he at least recognized for a long time. But I mean, his first moment, he's got this thing of peaches and. He's supposed to be delivering it and not getting in any kind of secure area. And like the first thing he sees is a couple of Marines. The elevator door is open. A couple of Marines stumble in, ripping their clothes off. And he's like, well, they really do things differently on this base. <laughs> Very open-minded. And that story was the um, inspiration. Sort of, it's kind of an inspiration is a little bit, not a direct, not, not a, like a plot inspiration, more of a tone inspiration um, that inspired um, React, which is the Tony Goes to Beacon Hill story, uh, because um, Jack finds out in that story what's going on in Beacon Hill, not Beacon Hill, Sunnydale, and finds out that kids are basically holding the, um, you know, they're they're, they're in a... yeah, they're basically in a constant foothold situation and have been since they were like 15 years old. And he says, oh, hell no. <laughs> and steps up and acts like an adult and goes to deal with it. So um, the adulting in that story was um, unbelievable. And it made me want to write, you know, stories about adults stepping up and saying, the kids, you don't Hell have no. to do this, or you don't have to do this alone. And you can read Airman Harris on Lithgow's site. Um, I usually read it over on Twisting the Hellmouth, um, just because it has a lot of um, Twisting the Hellmouth has some nice um, display interfaces, and you can download it and 
all of those shenanigans. Let me let me get. The I link. really enjoy. Just why I really enjoyed writing um, the legacy, and you know, just kind of turning Ken on its head and uh, just calling out to the fact that that Dumbledore um, had the information he needed the whole time Harry was growing up, and he could have taken care of that situation, but chose not to. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this the one, um, see, Matt, is that the one that you're talking about with, um, that Kira mentioned where Xander shows up in the Harry Potter universe? Is that what that link is? I would know because I haven't read it. Xander showing up in the Harry Potter universe. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's Fear Us. Fear Us We Are. And I can't figure out who the author is. The author is Josh Lamont. I see it, Josh Lamont. I'll put the uh, link up. It's really, I don't know, I don't honestly remember if I read the whole thing. Because it happened during a binge. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes they all start to blur together. I described a story to somebody once. I'm trying to find the story that I read and I described it. She's like, I think that's three separate stories. I'm like, really? Well, see. It could be. It, yeah. If you read stories in a similar trope in the same fandom and you read them back to back to back because you're exploring the trope, you're on a binge in that lane, they can really start to blur together, especially if you don't get much sleep. <laughs> oh, that's And who does? Xander gets sorted into Hufflepuff. Okay. No, it was just Xander. It wasn't Spike 2. It was just Xander and the one that I read. And what really stands out for me is that during the course of the story, Harry gets his hand cut off and uses parcel magic to regrow it. Oh. During the the ritual, instead of cutting his arm, Pettigrew took his hand. Oh, ow. And that was like Xander's final straw. That was that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And um, but Harry grew, Harry regrew his own hand with parcel magic. And that's the one that that's the one that sticks out in my head. And I don't remember. That's all I really remember of it. I would think, I mean, I think that there's, because they both deal with magic and that kind of thing, and, and, and you, I would think that, um, in theory, you could put the Buffy and the um, 
Harry Potter universe together fairly well, but I haven't read many uh, crossovers in those. And I don't think too many exist um, between them. And the couple, a couple of the ones I've read, I've been a little bit freaked out by some some aspect of it. Just, I typically am not. I typically, I actually can't think of a time I've read and enjoyed a story where characters from another show attend Hogwarts. Um, just because those kinds of tips, it's for me, that's like a high school AU. And if I'm going to read about somebody going to Hogwarts, by God, it's going to be Harry. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you never know. I mean, sometimes you, yeah, I can, I can. I think the only fandom that might tempt me as far as like, you know, other people going to Hogwarts. It'd probably be Sherlock. I, I just the idea no, of him being, being him at Har be and Sherlock being full blown Sherlock at Hogwarts amuses the shit out of me. Well, you could also do um, like ACD set in the ACD Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle setting, like you know, um, yeah. historical setting, original Sherlock going in to Hogwarts uh, or movie verse. Sherlock going to Hogwarts. Um, that sounds amusing. Yeah, it does. As a rule, yeah, I prefer um, Harry Potter focused Harry Potter stories. <laughs> yeah. There's some fandoms where I just want to read the character that I'm in that fandom to read. I, I'm not interested in anybody extraneous. Or sometimes there's multiple characters. Like I really, I could deal with a serious focus story or um, Hermione or Harry, but I mean, there's, there's a few characters in Harry Potter that I don't mind being the focus, and that's a little bit atypical. Usually there's only one or two characters that I kind of zoom in on. Um At Sherlock at uh... <laughs> I don't know if I, agree. I don't know if I, do you think John's a Gryffindor? He might be. He joined the army and became a doctor. But honestly, I okay, see um, Sherlock is more of a, ra- um, a Ravenclaw than I do with Slytherin. Yeah, I agree. I actually see I, I, I see Hufflepuff and Slytherin. I mean, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, not Gryffindor and Slytherin. But um, the artist still did an amazing job with that. Um, yeah, Claire, I agree. Mycroft is a Slytherin in that group. Yeah, the artist, whoever, whoever drew that did amazing work. I don't know anybody who isn't a Hufflepuff who would put up, have put up with Sherlock the way that John did. I mean, his I loyalty was, was was unbelievable from almost the get go. Yeah, yeah, we got the houses covered. Um, But to 
to kind of circle back to the topic, I mean, the thing about the thing that's nice about it, any form of entertainment, whether it's fan fiction or whether it's you know movies or um, TV books, whatever it is you 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 get entertained by, is our tastes change over time, and usually usually it's something you really liked that is the 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 on the segue to your broadened horizons. It even said the same thing with food. But it's not I don't I've never seen it as any kind of inconsistency to 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 have your preferences evolve or even to change your mind. Well it's inconsistent if you go back and forth. If you say impreg is awful one day, oh it's great the next day, it's awful the next day, that's inconsistent. But to just change your mind, isn't there's no inconsistency there? It's like time has passed. Fans, fan fiction has been written. I have changed my mind. <laughs> and I would hope that people do grow their taste. They do grow in what they read. Because if we all read the same things we were entertained by uh, and watched the same things we were entertained by when we were, you know, teenagers, I mean, you know, movies and TV and books would be very sad things if they only appealed to what we liked when we were kids. Yeah, I would have a very limited... um, uh viewing situations since I didn't have enough patience for television as a child. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went through probably five years where the only time I read anything that wasn't a romance was when it was for school. <laughs> so, and I was probably reading one or two and I had schoolwork to do, dude. I was easily reading one or two mass market paperbacks a day. Um, and my, I mean, if I was still, if, I mean, I, it's just, you, 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 you evolve. And if I, I read nonfiction now and I read science fiction, I read fantasy. I mean, I read all kinds of things now, but it's just so interesting that if there's this thing in fandom that if you, if you change your mind years later about a trope or a pairing or something, and it's like, oh, you're, you're a, hypocrite. a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how am I a hypocrite? Because I, how dare you grow? Oh my God! I know. I mean, are you? I, mean, I want to sometimes want to go. Am I, are you pissed off that I didn't like something that you wrote or something, or that I wasn't interested in reading something that you suggested? I mean, what's the deal here? Why are you so mad? <laughs> why are you so mad? I want to know that. I don't really care why you think I'm a hypocrite. I want to know what you're so mad about. Actually, I. I actually don't want to know. Please don't write me. <laughs> not interested in your reasons. But if I were to be curious about anything in that scenario, I would wonder why people are so angry sometimes when they send me messages. I'm like, what are you so pissed off about? Who hurt you? Yeah. <clears throat> I'd be happy to probably kick their butt for you, you know, kick their butt for you because – yeah. You're holding on to a lot of pain over something that I don't get.
Did you hear that? <laughs> I heard a little mutter that sounded like swearing, but I actually don't have my volume up very loud. Yeah, I said son of a bitch. I dropped um, nail polish on my top of my hand. It pissed me off. Um, but uh, I uh, have a really difficult time painting my pinky finger uh, on both hands. Really? <laughs> it's totally off top. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um but yeah, I you know, I've grown a lot in fandom and I read things that I didn't read when I started in fandom. Um and I find a lot of things intolerable in romance fiction that I used to read all the time. So you do grow as a reader and you do grow as a writer and I don't ever want to stop doing either. I don't want to stagnate. No. I mean, I admit, I read Bodice Rippers in the 80s. I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even 15 years old I had old no yet. idea what oh. that was. I was reading yeah, Bodice and Rippers, I, and I had no idea what I was reading. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm not reading that rapey shit. Exactly. I look back at it and I go, what was I reading that for? Why Why did I think that? And I wonder why I thought that that was okay. Um but I just know that that's what I was reading then. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole now. It's like I was talking about reading Clan of the Cave Bear, that I had no idea I was reading rape. I, I had no idea. I read Clan of the Cave Bear when I was 11 or 12, and I had no idea what I read. And it wasn't until I read it um, okay, 16 or 17 that I realized what was happening to her. And I was like, "Oh my God! I can't believe I read this and didn't re- didn't recognize what it was." It's about perspective and about your own um, perceptions, and your perceptions change over time. Yeah, they do, and they should. They should. They should. They should adapt. They should change, and I'm glad that they've that I've that I've grown in that respect. I'm glad I don't that I'm not still blindly reading um, stuff that was probably affecting me on a level that I wasn't even aware of. It's probably kind of wound up in like some kind of internalized misogyny or something um, that I was reading women being treated so horribly. So and often. didn't see anything wrong with it. And didn't see anything wrong with it. So I'm glad I've grown past that. And now, I I I would I wouldn't want to go back to finding that appealing. Um, but sometimes fandom doesn't want people to change. I'm not sure what words I just said. I, <laughs> you ever have that moment where you're like, what words just came out of my mouth? I think I I agree. To say fandom. Phantom doesn't want people to change, but I'm not sure if those are the words that I actually use. Those are the words you actually use. And I agree. Well, Whenever I branch out as a writer, there's always this this, um, inkling in the back of my head that I'm going to get some kind of feedback from somebody who's not happy that I've um, picked up another fandom or I'm writing a different pairing or I'm writing BDSM or... um, I'm writing Het BDSM, how dare I, or I'm writing Het at all. I wrote Rule 63, I didn't think you liked that, why are you doing that, don't do that, don't you dare, and yes, I did, I totally did. And I like to joke about um, 
hold my coffee being a spite fic. And it was because I had posted two Rule 63s, one named Julia and one named Meredith. And someone responded to the Meredith one and told me they hoped I didn't write any more female McKay because they hated that shit. So I told Lady Holder she needed to hold my coffee. <laughs> because it's about to get real. I was just, I was serious. Rule 63 is when you make a traditionally male character female. So you got a lot of female K- McKay as a result. Um, but I really enjoyed writing that um, series. And I like I said, it, it really rekindled my interest in Stargate overall. Um, especially my interest in John as a character. And so um, it's a twofer. I made somebody mad, and I got a really good thick out of it. And oh, and a third, I really kind of fell in love with Stargate all over again. So, so we thank you, obnoxious commenter, <laughs> for raise, <laughs> waving that red flag in front of the bull. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment and not follow that through to the natural consequences of what you just called me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, yeah you... it's like. <laughs> oh, I can't even. <laughs> But it was super annoying to be told what not to do, told what to do, um, and told what I should be doing and what I what I'm not allowed to do. Um, bitch, you don't even pay my bills. <laughs> That's right. The person who pays my bills doesn't boss me around. Who the fuck do you think you are? Oh, I'll probably never do ebooks again. People always ask about it, and um, it co- it comes up in the comments, and it comes up in the chat room sometimes. It comes up on Facebook. It's never going to happen. Um, I put ebooks out there, and they ended up on a pirate site. And I'm like, I don't know why. I actually found it more offensive that my free ebooks ended up on a pirate site than I did when my professionally published books ended up on a pirate site. Because while they don't charge you, they don't charge you to download off a pirate site, okay? But what they do do is make money off of you through advertising. So every time you go to one of those crap-ass pirate sites, you're making money for them through advertising. So they took my free fan fiction and made money off of it, and I had readers over there downloading my fucking ebooks that I put out for free on my site, making money for a goddamn pirate. That's just fucked up. It, it just it it flew all over me because fan fiction should not have a financial component. Ever. No, my original work, when my original work got pirated, I cried. I was so hurt. 
it was my heart. But getting pirated as a fan fiction writer pissed me off. And that's the difference. But when my original work got my original, um, my, my very first book, the very first book I put out got pirated. And I was heartbroken. And it wasn't about the money. It was about somebody saying, look, I bought this, but it's not good enough that you should pay for it. So here, have it for free. It was just, I just, people are just, it ruined publishing for me. You can't sue a pirate site. No. Because in the country where they're hosted, what they're doing is not illegal. Yeah, you can't sue somebody for an illegal action unless, unless they've been arrested and you're suing them for, for, for monetary losses, but you'd be one of thousands of people and you're not going to get any money out of those people. They're going to be bankrupted on legal fees. You'd never see a dime. There's just getting the site shut down, helping get it shut down is the best you can do. Now, and even that's really sites, difficult if they're, if they're hosted on ghost servers in countries where it's not illegal to do what they're doing and the countries don't give a shit. There are some weird pirate sites that will respond to a takedown notice. It's like, I don't even understand what that's about, but that's, that's abnormal. Most pirate sites are not going to respond to a takedown notice because they're not a legal enterprise. So they don't care about your legal documentation. The only thing you can do with piracy is you report it to, I believe the FBI who polices piracy. Um, I mean, that's really all you can do is report it when it happens. And beyond that, there's just no recourse. You, you warn your friends not to go to that site. Um, there's just there's really nothing you can do. There's no... There's I had no, a friend hatch a terrible plan to upload something super illegal to a pirate site and then report it. I was like, don't be dumb because they'll trace it back to your ass. And how would you even get it to begin with? And I'm like, you don't actually already have it, right? And she's like, no, no, of course not. I was like, well, what are you going to do? Go on the internet? You can't Google for that shit. Maybe you can. Don't Google. And I'm like, and, then, and you get reported, and then you have it on your computer, or you get, just don't, girl, just don't. <sighs> yeah, you don't want to go there. You don't want to be, the, even if, if for no other reason, you, you don't want to be the person they make an example of because you can't afford the lawyer that the that the bigger guy can afford. So just don't do it no. for your own sake. But the last time the... I saw something of my own pirated, I reported the site to Paramount because there was a whole bunch of shit from Paramount being pirated on it, and Paramount got it shut down. <laughs> 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 that's how you do it. You find some big dude, big guy that has something on there that's being report that's being pirated. Report that to their parent company. Their legal team will be all over that shit. That site will be gone. Like Amazon had this terrible thing once where, uh, see, the thing about Amazon's return policy is that you can buy every ebook they have, download them, and then return them. Well, you can't. I mean, you can download them. You could download them, read them, and return them, but you can't just keep them. Yes, you can. You'd have to do some really wackadoodle stuff because the next time you connect, connected your Kindle, going you to don't connect that delete, Kindle to the internet. 
then how do you ever get that book onto that Kindle? Get a different book onto that Kindle. You'd have to be downloading. But yeah, but the thing is, I don't want to actually write it on the air because people will be doing it. But it's possible. Okay. Um, and there's also you can also break Kindle files with the right software. Yeah, that's true. But um, um, are limited, so you, that, you are, that's a huge thing. And you can uh, – now they have a policy where if you do this a lot, you can get kicked off Amazon. So, But um, they used to let yeah, people I mean, do whole, it willy-nilly. Yeah, Amazon's return yeah. policy on ebooks is obscene. And I'm glad they're cracking down on it and saying, look, if you've got an account, you don't get to just keep – I mean, they should have been doing that from the jump and knowing that people were going to be returning Steel. books that they had read. And doing doing it basically stealing, yeah. I mean, if you read the whole book, it doesn't matter. If you got all the way through the damn book, you've got something out of that. Suck up the money you spent. It's not like you got through 10 pages and it was so poorly edited you couldn't read it and go, I'm returning this. This is just garbage. I get it. Fine. The person has not really held up their end of the, the bargain with making sure that they're Content is clean. Fine. But if you got all the way to the end and you didn't have an objection until the last fucking page, you got some amount of entertainment out of that book and you should fucking pay for it. That's my, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, pirating is a big deal. And it can be really life-ruining for an author to to have that happen. And I had a friend who got pirated um, on her second novel and she's never published again. Because she was so upset. But more than that, because her book was pirated one week after um, uh, release, the publisher didn't pick up her third book in the series. Because they didn't make enough money off the second. So all her readers who did buy her book didn't get her third because the publisher didn't offer her a contract for it. Um, Sahara Shadow pointed out something too is if you run across a piracy site do report it amongst other things do report it to Google because if it's an illegal site they will block it from search engines so at least people won't have such an easy time finding it finding it yeah. but piracy Google's is really pirate, good and they're, and they're the scum of the earth so yeah and Tangential to something that came up earlier, just, you know, it always, this PSA is always worth reminding people, you cannot profit on fan works of any kind. And that includes folks, that includes art. If you are drawing a recognizable character or setting, you can't get paid for that. You can You're do endangering it. You can all of us. All of us. I mean, if you're, if you're doing art that has nothing to that is supplemental, like if you're drawing something original, that's, that's, that's not the same thing. But when it's talking about writing about, drawing about, representing in any way recognizable characters, settings, plot elements, that stuff belongs to their original creator. It belongs to production companies. It belongs. The rights holders are someone else. And when somebody else owns the rights, you can't profit off of it. That's, that's the foundation by which fandom works. So, just like an author cannot um, sell or be commissioned to write fan fiction, an artist can't be commissioned or sell fan fiction, fan art either. It just it's not it's the same it's the same rule. Um, and this this is coming up again because I mean I saw an I saw an 
an, an author recently who has a commission schedule. Links right from her AO3 stories off to her Tumblr where you can find her commission schedule with how much she charges per thousand words for stories. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow, really? And I'm not going to call anybody out on the podcast right name, but I don't, that's not author bashing to say that no. that's bullshit because it's nothing to do with their stories at all. Nothing whatsoever to do with their stories to say that it is bullshit that you are not allowed to profit on fan fiction. And and just because someone commissions you to do it, it doesn't mean any. It's, it's not any different. If that's not any different. Being commissioned to write a story on spec is not any different than selling copies of like an ebook download or something. It's not any different. You are not allowed to profit on somebody else's intellectual property. Get that through your thick heads. This is why we used to throw disclaimers over everything. Yeah, where we say. I mean, and why I have disclaimers really... on Rough Trade, on Wild Hair, and my own site. That we don't own this stuff and we're not going to profit. And all of the donations that I get go to the site. Every single penny. Um, so I don't make money off of fan fiction. It's the foundation of the whole fair use thing is that you can't profit. I feel like I can spot people who are new to fan. I'm like, well, I should be able to get paid for this. It's like, no. Nope. No. And the funny you thing want to get paid write original work. Some of these people who are much. who are out there selling stuff, who are out there selling commissions, and they have Patreon accounts so they can write fanfic or whatever. These are the first people who will get pissed off and scream at someone if they think that that person is stealing "quote unquote" their idea, not plagiarizing, but just has an idea that's too similar to theirs. And yell and scream about how dare you steal my stuff. And for the record, you cannot copyright an idea. You have to do something with the idea. And the more, and very similar ideas can breed at the same time. So, especially the more um, obvious it is, the the more obvious, and the more obvious it is, the more likely it is that multiple people can come up with that idea on their own. So people just get kind of, yeah, or a word. You can't copyright a word either. Uh, people are trying, but... For fuck's sake. Um, but, you know, just folks, just remember, you know, if, if anybody ever hears this and is thinking about setting up a Patreon to help them, set up a Patreon to, to I don't know, sell, to get, sell your, your knitted goods or something, or... Whatever it is you do that is not fan fiction, but don't set up a Patreon or or put a commission schedule up and accept PayPal payments to write fan fiction, to create fan art. You can't do that. A fan fiction, and if you're an artist, a fan fiction writer cannot commission you to do fan art because you can't profit on fan, 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 work, fan works any more than they can. So just... 
This is how we work in fandom. We get paid in appreciation. That's it. So don't ruin it for everybody. Well, it's not I can't afford tonight. to get sued. I can't afford to get sued, dudes. Um, seriously? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no. No. And I've, you know, I remember back in the day, you remember back, I don't, I don't know if anybody was around, it used to be people get so frustrated with the disclaimer thing. And the disclaimer thing, it, it's just sort of, it's sort of, I think this day, these days, it never really provided any legal protection. I think it's more these days an acknowledgement that we're not deliberately trying to infringe on somebody's rights and an overt statement that we will not profit off of what we're doing. And in fact, I like to think that fandom is helping the content creators profit because it, it brings people into reading, watching. How many people have started reading, have read, read the Harry Potter books or who who stalk Potter more and buy Harry Potter merchandise and stuff? It's much fueled by fandom as it is by the books themselves. So I like to think fandom actually helps the content, the the, the intellectual property creator, um intellectual property holder profit off of what we're doing. And that's a good thing because, you know, you want to, you want that, but I'm certainly responsible for several, at least 10 people buying Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> so there you go. But you, you want, you, you want to give that, to give that back. So the, the disclaimers was much about an overt thing. Hey, we're not going to profit. We're trying to do the right thing here by this. But I remember way back when people were really frustrated with the whole disclaimer thing. And they would start saying pissy little things in their disclaimers. Like, you know, you can sue me for my, you know, $40 I've got in the bank. That's all I've got. Come take it if you want. And they were like daring lawyers to come after them because they had nothing. The thing is, the lawyers aren't going to go after the people who have nothing. So you're putting everybody at risk. They were putting everybody at risk with those kind of taunts. And it was like, why are you doing this? I used to put, please don't sue me on mine. <laughs> yeah. That I get. Please don't sue me. <laughs> but. I would. I've never seen comments like "Come take the five dollars I've got in my checking account" or whatever. It's like, oh my god, what is the matter with you? Why would you? Why would you say that? Because they're not going to come after your five dollars. They're going to go after. Back then, they would have gone after archive holders or people who hosted, who allowed people to host this stuff on their servers. Hosting companies would have gotten sued, and it would have been the infrastructure that would have evaporated. So, I mean, we're. We don't live on an island. We're a part of a community, and we have to take care of. Them. We have to take care of business. And we're down to about sixty seconds. Um, I hope you guys had a great week, and um, uh, and you have an awesome weekend full of uh, beautiful things that don't involve going to Walmart, uh, because nothing beautiful happens at Walmart. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> no Walmart <laughs> you guys have a great weekend we may or may not see you tomorrow um, go to Target it's usually less crowded and less shenanigans happen at Target say goodnight Julie Good night, everyone